Hello and welcome to another episode of a Brothers Creed podcast. We talk about motivation, experiences, and exploring the world around us. We're the Thomas Brothers. And I'm I'm Jared. And today we're talking about, this is part one of a review of our rights as an American. We are going to look at the Bill of Rights. Uh, from the beginning, the, we're gonna. This is part one, so we're gonna run through uh, the first, actually, thirteen or so uh, amendments in the original uh, Bill of Rights. There were ten amendments, uh, but since then, uh, there have been an an additional uh, number added, additional Seven, 17, seventeen, all the way to twenty-seven. So we're gonna cover all of them. Uh, do an overview of of, of the twenty-seven amendments uh, in honor of our freedoms as Americans. This is gonna be coming out uh, around the 4th of July. And so uh, this is a, a great exercise just to go through and remind ourselves of some of the um, some of the rights that we have. And, and the Bill of Rights is a, a great place to look, as well as the Constitution, uh, obviously, uh, for uh, many of our rights and, and how that has evolved over the years. And we'll talk about that. So uh, let's go ahead and jump in. All right, let's do it. Spartans, what is your profession? Any man who must say, I am the king, is no true king. What I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills that make me a nightmare. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change! Let us all unite! Let us fight for a new world! A decent world! Okay, so I just gotta say... um, the part where Liam Neeson says, uh, I have a very specific set of skills, uh, skills that make me a nightmare. Uh, I've been listening to that book, uh, Never Split the Difference, where it's, it's like an FBI negotiator talks about these tactics that you can use to negotiate with people, and I'm definitely learning all these skills. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm like, absolutely. That, that make me a nightmare. <laughs> people that want to get a deal. <laughs> or a salesman. <laughs> That's awesome. So... So today, you know, we're going to dive in, and really, our goal was to do uh, a breakdown of the uh, the Bill of Rights. There's certain, you know, inalienable rights that we have been given by God, right? That some that uh, we have built into the facets of our our country itself. So uh, originally, there was 1787. There was uh, 55 delegates at a, a constitutional convention, and this is where the, the Constitution of the United States was written. And really, the purpose of the Constitution was to revise, let's call it like a, a weaker document that was called the Articles of Confederation that was held together by the, just the original 13 colonies, um, or the 13 states, let's say. Uh, after they gained their independence from from Britain, but then uh, as the country continued to grow, they they knew that there was more needed to be done. So basically, what what they did is uh, the delegates from the different states they kind of argued back and forth on if we should have a uh, a national document, something that was a, a binding document. And one of the main arguments was that there was in, in the U.S. Constitution, there was a lack of specified individual rights and liberties written into the Constitution. And so uh, James Madison actually drafted a set of amendments to the U.S. Constitution, and that's what we know as the Bill of Rights. So it was these, these individual rights and liberties that the Constitution didn't specifically address that the founding fathers thought that these are so important that we need to add them in. James Madison actually submitted 12 amendments, but as Jared had said, there's uh, they only accepted and only ratified 10 of those amendments into the original Bill of Rights in 1791. So since then, there has been an additional 17 more amendments that have passed uh, for different reasons, and those are the ones that we're going to be going through today. Number uh, Amendment number one, all the way to 27. And Jared and I are going to kind of uh, jump back and forth. Uh, we're going to kind of go through these, and uh, to start off, I'll just say that I, I loved doing this. 
because you learn about the Constitution and, and, and the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence in school. But I think it's almost it's almost a subject or a topic that's kind of glazed over nowadays. And I remember talking about it, but maybe I didn't, I don't know, maybe as a kid, I didn't care as much, but I just really like history. And looking back at this is like, why would they do that? You know, why would they put that in there? And so it's kind of cool. So Jerry, you're going to kind of kick us off with the, the first one. Yeah. So the, the, the first one is, is a huge one. Um, it's so many things are packed into it. So the first amendment has to do with the freedom of religion, speech, press, Peacefully, peaceful assembly, and the right to petition the government for redresses. Now, one of the things, Ethan, that I want you to help me with is as we go through this, is there's so many different things that as we've talked about in our podcast, and we've talked about so many things, and it's like, oh, I remember this from that pod, remember this from this podcast episode, or I remember this has to do with this from this from that podcast episode. And so I'd like you to help me bring some of these things to the forefront, and I'll try to do that too, that relate to other things we've talked about in other podcasts. Uh, so yeah. the first the first one here uh, is the first part. Uh, it talks about freedom of religion. It so it's, it's the first part of the uh, of this amendment it is called the establishment clause, and it says uh, basically that no laws respecting the establ- establishment of religion. So uh, this is what it says: "Quote, uh, no official state church like the well." I'm sorry. The, what it actually says is no laws. Res- there should be no laws respecting the establishment of religion. So that means that there's no official state church like the Church of England. Uh, you think about the horrors that happened in Salem, Salem witch trials. We just talked about that a couple weeks ago yep. and how you know there are spectral evidence and how the, 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 the state and the government was so tainted by what this, this craziness and uh, this mass hysteria uh, that it really affected the objectivity of the government. Um, and so uh, that was in the 1600s. Uh, so it, so it is, it does not have an established religion, nor does it base its laws on any uh, religious edict uh, specifically. Uh, the next uh, clause there in, is the free exercise clause. So you cannot prohibit, you cannot be prohibited from uh, being a part of any religion uh, but that does not necessarily uh, restrict your practice, the religious practices you do. Like if you can believe in human sacrifice, but if you actually are doing human sacrifice, that's a different thing. Uh, there's been other things like polygamy uh, and, and other uh, things where the state will step in. You know, if if you have, you know, acted upon those things. Yeah, if you have like children that you're. Um, that you're marrying or whatever, then the states has stepped in it. The government has stepped in in those situations. So and there are restrictions to uh, the practices of your religion. Um, the next one here, the major one is freedom of speech. So this is really to protect you from an overarching government. So the freedom of speech allows criticism of the government uh, in history. And even in modern times, many dictators would just wipe you out if you criticize or speak against them. I mean, you think about these like, critics of china I, I think i remember seeing in the news recently there was like some critics of china where they were just like walking in an airport uh and they just got like stabbed by needles in the airport and got assassinated uh you know by these assassins that were just or, or kim jong-un he strapped his uncle to an anti-aircraft gun and, and blasted him into infinity because he, he didn't agree with them disagreed with them so uh the particularly a political speech uh and speech against uh the government is is mainly protected um, in your in, under the First Amendment, uh, so that does not include. So the First Amendment protects you from the government doing uh, the prevents the government from denying you your freedom to speech, but anybody else they can. So like Instagram or Facebook or your company or your boss, you know, if you go in and, and just start rattling off to your boss and just saying whatever you want, then you may get fired. Um, and so, uh, like I said, political speech gets the toughest protections. Uh, you can advocate force or overthrowing the law, but if only if there's no immediate effect. Uh, if there's an immediate effect, that can be seen as dangerous speech, almost like uh, inciting, a, like yelling fire in a theater or something like that. Um, so l- l- last month I, I uh, had 
finished the the book 1984 and it's just really interesting it had been years and years and years since i had read it but uh basically it's this uh this utopian society that is completely regulated in every single way by the government and they have these uh these computer screens or these screens in every single house that uh they record everyone's conversations they can hear everything they listen to everything they see everything you do from the time you wake up to when you go asleep and they tell you what to do they tell you your job they tell you everything and if you ever speak up against it they uh you'll just you'll 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 disappear you'll go work the mines or you'll you'll just uh you'll be completely erased from society and they they have uh you probably heard something some references to this in the news recently but they have what's called the ministry the ministry of truth mm-hmm. and it's this portion of the government that basically edits any any and every historical literature document um opinion anything that's ever been said and recorded it is edited at the ministry of truth to say whatever the government wants it to say mm-hmm. and uh i just thought that was that was a really and, interesting and, and they just recently came out with the uh the office of prop of uh, what is it called in the u.s they just came out with like a basically a ministry of truth which is like a uh it was anti fake news I don't know. I can't remember exactly what it was called, but yeah, it was like a a whole uh, uh, department of the government. Yeah, committee that had put put together um, that was the uh, anti information, false information group or whatever. But one one thing that that I was going to say as well is uh, it kind of at the start of this is these are these only. it's the Disinformation Governance Board. Oh, yeah. That's, what they call that's exactly it. the Ministry of Truth. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, all of these things that we're going to talk about today, they only apply to United States citizens. Mm-hmm. And so I think one thing that happens to Americans is we go to other countries and you almost, you're so used to living in the society that we live in. You almost think it's it's okay to say whatever you want or to do whatever you want or yeah. whatever else. And you're in, you know, communist China or you're in somewhere else. And they're like, hey, we don't have those laws here. Yeah. Uh, you can't say whatever you want or you can't do whatever you want or you don't have the the uh, the right to a speedy trial or a lawyer <laughs> or, or habeas whatever corpus else. or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So one interesting thing here is that if your speech presents a clear and present danger, the government can correct your speech. So like shouting fire in a theater, or uh, there was a case where a guy was encouraging people to dodge the draft, uh, and that went to the Supreme Court, and it was deemed that he was causing a danger, so they were able to censor him. Or telling people to, uh, you know, like even recently, uh, you know, clear and present danger. Well, if you're telling people not to go get the vaccine, like a lot of these doctors were, uh, well, not a lot, a small minority, uh, you could say that they got censored by the by the big media and also by the government. You know, these uh, Fauci saying or, or these guys are lying and all this kind of stuff. And Fauci's as, as clean as a whistle, so we don't have to worry about that. Of course. <laughs> uh, also, there's symbolic speech is also protected, so. Flag burning is is a is protected. Also, hate speech. What's considered hate speech is protected. One person's hate speech is another person's regular talk. And so, uh, you know, kind of, well, how was the adage go? One person's freedom fighter is the other person's terrorist. Yeah. Uh, you know, so what one person perceives as hate speech could just be another person's opinion. And so, that is the beauty of free speech. And I think it's a shame that in like some of these colleges they have like these safe spaces. Or you can't like, you know, you you have to be a safe person. You can't like go in there and talk openly or whatever because it's too offensive. Anyway, that's off topic. But as we go to the next portion of the First Amendment, uh, that we have the freedom of the press. So the, this prevents this is supposed to prevent governments from censoring the press. So there's different types of like one is like a pre-publication censoring. 
so prior restraint or stopping an article before it's published. So an example of this was was it there was a Supreme Court case called Near versus Minnesota in 1927 when a local newspaper wanted to publish a story uh, that the city of Minnesota was under the secret control of a of a Jewish gangsters, uh, including the police chief and the mayor, uh, and the police stopped the story at, at, and then. A lawsuit ensued, which made it all the way up to the Supreme Court, and the gov- and it was ruled that the government was not allowed to censor the press because free press is essential to the political system for the political system to work. Now, the idea that the press is meant to protect us from the government overreach—that's the idea—but we know that there's have the the CIA has plants in almost every single one of the news organizations. Uh, the government pushes propaganda on news stations all the time. So I think that we have deviated meaningfully from this one uh, and, that this, and that the press maybe is, is it, maybe the, the government is, I think, having influence. Maybe they're not stepping in, but they're stepping in so ahead of time and just cutting things off right at the nipping things at the bud so that nothing ever comes of it. Uh, so that I think the disintegration of this has allowed the government to run wild uh, and out of control in some senses. Well, I think to a certain extent, too, it's almost um, they, they get it so early on, like you were saying, that it, it's almost not breaking the, the, the rules of the First Amendment because, you know, it's like, well, if, if there's a big news organization and we don't want them to say something, instead of censoring them, we're just going to pay them a bunch of money not to say it or to say mm-hmm. what we want them to say. And so that's, that's not all the news is sponsored by Pfizer. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not censorship, right? Yeah. They're just they're paying them so much money to say what they want them to say and not say what they shouldn't say. Yeah. And exactly. so it, that that's a it's just this 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 way around getting around censorship within the the media. Yeah. And so the, there is a recourse. There's a kind of a, a balance there. Is that the press, if the press publishes something that's untrue, they can be sued for libel. And if the person can prove that, that what they said was false, they can receive monetary for damages. So this is what happened with Nick Sandman, uh, who was part of the, the group of students who went to D.C., the Lincoln Memorial, uh, and they were just standing around. And this, this Indian guy comes up and starts beating on a drum right in front of him. And then CNN calls this kid a racist, and he was harassing this Indian man, all this kind of stuff. Well, they were wrong, and so he sued CNN. And he, he sued a bunch settled, of different settled with them. He sued a bunch of different organizations, and and I don't actually I don't think we'll, yeah. we know exactly how much, but millions and millions and millions of dollars. He said he sued them for two hundred seventy five million dollars, and the settlement was undisclosed. Also, uh, the Kenosha kid, Kyle Rittenhouse, Kyle Rittenhouse. Uh, he was also slandered in the news, and he also was going to go after a lot of these these. Um, uh, News or organizations for yeah for people calling lying. him people calling him a, a mass murderer people calling him a white supremacist people calling him all different types of stuff just slandering him to the point With of no where basis. I think I think recently he uh, he had put on um, uh, on his Facebook or, or, or Instagram or something like that that hey I'm gonna be going I'm gonna be going to this college or whatever and you know I really love to go there and then basically the college answered back and said. No, you're not. Really? Yeah, and it's like that. That literally is is impeding his progression in life because of something that the media did portrayed him as. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's one of the, that. That's a huge one. And then uh, also petition the government for redress of grievances. Uh, that one's interesting too because if you remember back when I talked about uh, when we talked about. Uh, little-known battles and wars. I talked about the uh, the, the um, Comanche Nation and how the Comanche Nation, uh, we made the kind of a deal with Mexico that we were going to just stop having them raid. Uh, and they would, but the Comanches were still raiding into Mexico and they would petition the U.S. government and uh, for redress of grievances or even people within the United States would address, would petition say hey like these guys are still attacking us they're still attacking our, our farms and whatnot uh, and also um, you know you have the ability to put, like petition the government to say hey what's like I need 
compensation for this wrong that was done to me and that will be heard out. So uh, that's also an important piece there as well. Yeah. So let's do the, let's go ahead and do the second amendment. All right. So, I mean, that first one, that that's a biggie. I mean, I think there's a reason why it's the first amendment. So that one, that would took a little while to get, to get through, but I think there's so many good things there. So uh, the next huge one, just as important uh, or, or, or just next important is the second amendment deals with our right to bear arms or to uh, own purchase uh, firearms. Um, now this one, is actually a very short amendment and I'm going to I'm going to explain why there's a little bit of confusion with it. So I'm going to read it word for word, but where, where there is a comma, I'm going to say the word comma. Okay. Because this, there's so much confusion in this amendment, mainly due to there being four commas and it, they're kind of grammatically confusing. So this is, this and, is what and, it says. Yeah. And there's also commas in the, in the one prior where it talks about, you know, you have this right and then you have this right. And mm-hmm. then you have this right. Yeah. So, so it says, uh, a well-regulated militia, comma, being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, comma, shall not be infringed. So there's a lot of people say the debate is whether the Constitution's framers only had in mind that the militia should have the right to bear arms or that the individual citizen should have the right to bear arms. There's a group that says, oh, well, it's talking about a well-regulated militia. They have the ones, you know, they're the ones that have the right to bear arms. But if you look at it in the commas, then it says the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And so uh, you know, this one's just, it's really interesting and it's, it's probably one of the most debated, at least recently, um, um, uh, bill of uh, amendments to the, uh, in the bill of rights that's out there. And, um, another interesting fact that, that I'll go through is that in 2008, the Supreme court actually ruled a five to four that U.S. citizens have a constitutional right to keep a loaded handgun at their home for self-defense. Um, basically, you know, they, this was in 2008, and they agreed and they, they ruled five to four that said that United States citizens have that constitutional right. And so this decision that they made, this ruling, has come down to majority of people believing that the constitutional uh, uh, right that we have refers to the individual's right to bear arms and not the the uh, uh, the, the well-regulated militia and their right to bear arms um, so pretty pretty bold language there shall not be infringed none of the other ones are that yeah outrightly and, bold and and you have you have people that say things like you know oh yeah but they were talking about muskets right do you think the do you think the founding fathers would have been okay with with uh 30 round ghost clip magazines <laughs> <laughs> ghost clip magazines <laughs> What uh, the heck is that? Ghost they're ghost magazines. They don't have serial numbers on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh I don't know. That's just what some of the Democrats say. But um you know it's it's I fully think automatic that, semi semi yeah, fully fully automatic, auto, yeah, fully automatic semi-automatic rifles. <laughs> uh, no, fully semi-automatic rifles is what it says. Oh, yeah, that's what he says. Um you know, I, I, I personally believe that um you know, you go with the technology of the time, right? And they did not know, but it makes sense, right? Whether whether you're writing in a newspaper article that's going to be printed on a printing press, or 
whether you're writing a, a, a you know, a, a blog post on the internet, the First Amendment still applies. And um, just because things have changed, just because there's there's more access to it, quicker access to information, the First Amendment hasn't changed, right? Just because there's bigger guns that shoot faster doesn't mean that the Second Amendment has changed. The foundation and the fundamental right that has been given uh, is has been given there. You know, yeah, maybe there needs to be some some regulation around uh, potentially who should have these firearms with felons or people that are mentally unstable and and uh, some sort of verification. Um, but that 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 should be done across the board. You kind of have to grow with the times as well, but still honor the the words within the Constitution. And some people say, oh, we should just completely get that one out of there. It's not even pertinent today. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's not completely. It's absolutely no. pertinent today. Yeah. Just look at, just look what happens. In, look what's happening in Ukraine. Yeah. That's yeah. They're, the, today. The I government... one thing. One thing they were like in Miami, they're like, hey, turn your guns into the Miami Police Department and we'll send them to Ukraine. That's like, do you see yeah. the irony in that? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, one of the, I just want to share a quote on this one. Thomas Jefferson said that the tree of liberty must be reflect must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. So how's that going to happen if there's no Second Amendment? Yeah, uh, just saying. Yeah. Well, and then and then people, I'm not going to name any specific names, but they'll get up at the uh, the White House and say, you know, what are what are you going to what are a bunch of people with uh, guns going to do against civilians with guns going to do against uh, uh, the government with a tank? Well, it's just like or or F-16s or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, but I don't know. We'll just maybe fight for 20, fight for 20 years until you just abandon all your equipment and then we'll just take that. (laughs) Yeah. Or you get or you get 100 million people with guns. I think there's like 300 million guns in the United States. Right. Mm -hmm. You get 100 million people with guns and then. You get to the point to where, uh, uh, you know, probably three quarters of the military wouldn't want to be firing on their own, their own people anyway. And so it's, 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 it's checks and balances, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's the second amendment, the right to bear arms. Yep. So let's Let's listen to our, listen to our episode about the top five guns that every person should own. Yes, and then we did actually follow up with with Toby gagging yeah. about his his thoughts as well. Uh, so the Third Amendment is: No soldier shall, in time of peace, be qu- quartered in any house without the consent of owner, nor in time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by law. So this essentially protects against the an army to quarter or just take up shop in your house. So probably one of the least utilized because there haven't been very many wars on American soil. Uh, in 1774, the British passed the Quartering Act uh, that allowed soldiers they could just take any room in your house if they wanted to. So obviously, the people were didn't like that at all, and it has to be yeah, you have to have consent to do that. And so that's um, they couldn't just kick you out of your house. And so that's what that one's for. Some of these are gonna be quick. <laughs> yeah, uh, interesting little fact on that one. You kind of hinted at this one that the Third Amendment is the least litigated amendment. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if I said I didn't say litigated or did, no, I, did no, you? I, I oh. said that I did yeah, okay. something that I had found that the third uh, amendment is the least litigated amendment, which there has been less trials or litigation, legal, legal issues with that one, probably because yeah. we haven't had uh, a war on you know, U.S. soil since. I but even know, it, war of 1812, it, maybe I don't know. Well, civil, civil, war. civil war. OK, civil that's war, true. Yeah. yeah, civil war. Um. But yeah, it's interesting how it uh, even says in times of peace or in times of war, uh, without you know. But but it says but in a manner prescribed by law, which which usually involves the consent of the owner of the house. You can't just take their property. Yeah. So well, what's interesting is you see sometimes in these like and these are just the movies, right? But you see sometimes in the movies the 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 government just rolls through the town and the army and they just like 
take up quarter or whatever and they just you know go wherever they want and they're like this is our town now or i don't know maybe that's well, more like an apocalyptic because, type situation well you know why it's because that is sometimes during a like martial law, law scenario and i'm going to talk about martial law a little bit later and which one which of your rights uh is suspended during martial law and the third amendment is, is one of those okay all right so we won't we won't spoil that one. So the the Fourth Amendment deals with uh, searches and seizures. So uh, the Fourth Amendment prevents the government or police from searching or seizing the homes, belongings, or bodies of citizens without probable cause or a warrant. So um, basically, it says that the that the right of people to secure their own persons, houses, papers, effects, or things from unreasonable search or seizures shall not be violated, is what it says. And no warrant shall issue, but upon probable cause. And so uh, this is kind of interesting because there's been some things that um, some – other laws that have been implemented that are uh what what was that uh the one that was like frisk free to frisk or something like that oh stopping uh, uh oh it was the new york one that was done by giuliani it was like uh stop and frisk where they just yeah. stop random people and they frisked them yep they could just stop you and frisk you and and uh if they found anything on you then boom you're going to jail or whatever which was it, seen it was just, by many as as being racist because they were just like hey yep. you need to stop and just, i'm gonna frisk you yeah and, and that the whole issue with that was that there was no probable cause how could you yeah. have probable cause without seeing somebody do something or without uh you know seeing a, a, an object or something like that and so if there's no probable cause then um then there, there'd be no reason to stop me yeah and this one gets really interesting because you know, it, it, you see all these like uh, they call it like the First Amendment auditors and even like Second Amendment auditors that they'll say uh, these people on YouTube, they'll go out and they'll uh, they'll go and they'll try to go into a government building and just record. And they like mm-hmm. they'll, they'll say, oh, you oh, can't they call have those auditors. <laughs> yeah, you can't have government. You can't have cameras in here. And they'll be like, no, I'm an independent journalist and I'm auditing the, the I'm doing a First Amendment audit. Right. And they'll say that. So give me your camera. Give me this. So give me that. And they'll say, no, you don't. You know, this is a, a protected under the, the Constitution that you you don't have probable cause or, you know, they'll uh, someone is, is walking and open carrying or something like that, which is mm-hmm. you carry a, a firearm in, in plain view, uh, which is legal in most states. And but holstered uh, or in a non like, yeah, not threatening way. It's just, yeah. uh, you know, holstered. Nobody, you're not touching it. You're not messing with it. You're just walking down the street and then a cop will come up to you and they'll say, you know, whoa, stop right there. You know, and they'll, they'll detain you and take your firearm and everything. And they say, well, what's, what's your probable cause? Like what, why did you stop me? Oh, it's because you have a gun. Well, that's not just because I have a gun doesn't mean that you have probable cause to stop me. And so this one's kind of interesting. It can go in lots of different uh, lots of different ways. Another interesting fact about this one is one of the most significant impacts of this amendment was in a court case of Weeks versus the United States in 1914, where the Supreme Court decided that evidence taken in violation of the fourth amendment could not be used in court. So, uh, you know, whenever the, in these police shows and they say, well, how did you get that piece of evidence? You know, did you get that without a warrant? And they say, yeah. And they go, Oh, well, it's not admissible in court then. Cause you didn't go, you didn't get that piece of evidence through a warrant. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And so it kind of protects people from being, maybe even railroaded to a certain extent um, against being the, their, their property and everything just being taken or seized without any warning or cause. Yeah. This one's interesting because I recently was reading about a, a new thing that was passed by this. I think it was by the Supreme court that says that the federal government can now conduct like warrantless stops and uh, stops and searches uh within 100 miles of a border a u.s border 
which includes the coastlines. <sighs> so, you know, yeah. it, and it's supposed to, I think it's be supposed to be for like, um, you know, trafficking or like immigration types st- or like to crack down on smuggling and stuff like that, but uh, that still could be a threat to the Fourth Amendment, which is protects you from such type of illegal searches and seizures. Yeah. That's why the, you see on these cops that are on like YouTube and Instagram and stuff, they're like, if, if the cop asks you, hey, can you open your trunk? Say, nope, I don't consent to searches and seizures, uh, searches of my property. Uh, yeah. Unless they have probable cause, they can't do that. But if they ask you, you say, yeah, go ahead and check it. Then they will check it. Uh, but if if you you don't well, have and to that's say, a, yeah. and, and that's the thing too is a lot of people you know they'll say they'll say hey can we search the car and people will say well do you have probable cause or do you have a warrant and the cop will say no and they'll say oh come on we'll just let us search your car if you don't have anything to hide then there's no issues right the cops will kind of trick you and say they'll try to Brendan Dassey you right yeah exactly um, and so uh, then a, a lot of times and and this is right quote unquote speculation but then the cops will say this is mostly like maybe for a traffic stop or something like that if you won't let them search your car then they'll say okay well you'll have to wait here until we can get a canine unit to do a, a search of a, a, around the outside of your car and so they'll have a canine unit so a, a drug smelling dog that'll come and i have seen 30 videos of this but the 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 cop will lead the dog all the way around the car and the t- the cop will like tap on the window or something like Point that and the dog place, will yeah. go up and, and put their paws up or do whatever and they'll have like signals where they'll make the dog basically make the dog alert yeah and then if the dog alerts then boom probable cause and now yeah, they exactly. can now they now they can search your car with however long or however whatever they want to do because yeah. the dog, quote unquote, alerted, quote unquote, yeah, which which you know, I'm sure that that's that's happened some way or another. But that's kind of one way, you know. I'm I'm in support of police officers, and and you know, I back the blue. But I think that there are definitely some uh, some people that maybe take their authority, uh, take take, um, maybe a little bit too. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They abuse of power, abuse of power <laughs> to the authority that they have. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, uh, interesting, like immigration officers, they can detain you with just a reasonable suspicion, which is even lighter than probable cause. Yeah. And so and it's that, like, and oh, is that is that marijuana I smell in your car? Oh, is that? Oh, I smell alcohol in his breath for sure. Oh, yeah. Suspicion. So, yeah, that's that's where you get tricky. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Did you have anything else on that one? No. So that, that that's number four. So the Fifth Amendment really sets the stage for the Sixth Amendment. Uh, And so uh, this one says that no person shall be held to answer for capital or otherwise infamous crime unless a uh, precedent or indictment of grand jury, except in cases of arising from land or naval forces or in the militia, when in actual service or in time of war or public danger. Except for a person in active duty, you cannot be arrested for a crime without a warrant from a grand jury. So what this kind of talks about, unless you're in the military, there's the military's own code of, of conduct, which is the Uniform Code of Military Justice. And you have the uh, certain rights uh, in the military and then certain rights as, uh, as just a regular citizen uh, that you cannot be held without uh, for a crime uh, unless you are given, uh, like, unless there's like a warrant for your arrest. Uh, there's also another part of this Fifth Amendment that says, uh, nor shall any person be subject for the same offense to be tw- to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb. So this has to do with double jeopardy. Uh, you can't be tried for the same crime twice. Now, if you remember back to we did like famous con artists, right? I talked about uh, some, of, we talk, some of these famous guys. I talked about uh, uh, the Ponzi guy and how he was tried for certain crimes and then Later, he was actually tried for different crimes like mail fraud and these other things because they were just trying to get him as much as they could. Uh, but then he sued back and said, well, you're 
this is double jeopardy. You're trying me for the same thing. Like, oh, well, technically this is just mail fraud and these are different charges. So uh, those are some of the rights there. In addition, it says, nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself. So this is a, a, a big deal. In many regimes, you, they'll just torture you until you confess or they'll you know, say that they'll kill your family or if you, or they'll, so they make you testify against yourself. Uh, I think it's, so like a forced confession. Yeah, which is basically what happened with Brandon Dassey, like you mentioned earlier. They basically forced a coercion, a coerced confession out of this kid who was just a, a minor with mental with le- issues. Yeah, and they forced it out of him with leading questions. Yeah, and so also your wife cannot testify against you. Really? You know that? Yeah. I learned that from Better Call Saul <laughs> because uh, they didn't want to be in a position where his girlfriend could testify against him for any of the shenanigans that he was doing and so they got married so that she would not be so that she could say well i I can't testify against my husband and that's allowed uh this next part here says uh, of the amendment says nor be deprived of life liberty or property without due process of law nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation uh so some have claimed like this part is like reminiscent of like the Ten Commandments, like the government can't just steal from you uh, in these different ways without it being just or uh, without giving you just compensation. So I think just raise your taxes. Yeah, and then raise your gas prices and then everything else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but actually in times of war, uh, there are certain provisions where like the government can come in. And that's what during martial law, they can come in and seize your, uh, this is one of the things, like they can come in and seize your, Food, seize your ammo, seize whatever they can and redistribute it as they wish. So I'll talk about that uh, maybe a little bit later. Interesting. So uh, so the Sixth Amendment includes the the right to a speedy trial. So it kind of relates to the fifth one, the one you just talked about. Um, but I, I'm going to read the, the first line of this amendment. It's kind of interesting because I, I circled one word that I found really interesting. So the amendment actually says, says, in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial. Like it used the word enjoy. Like That's the, funny. The, the, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial. Uh, so I just thought that was uh, interesting, the word enjoy. So, yeah. so this is the, the well, right. Well, because in other countries, they'll just keep you indefinitely. Yeah, and you have no just, idea why you're in, you have no idea why you're in, why you've been arrested. They won't even or tell what's you what's going on, and you're just in jail. Yep. Did I, tell you, I think I've told this story before about the, my neighbor. He knew a guy in uh, in Cameroon, and the guy got arrested. He had no idea why. He served seven years in prison, uh, and one day they just came by a cell and knocked on a cell and said, "You can leave." And he said, "Can you tell me why I was arrested?" And they said, "Do you want to stay longer?" And he just left. He had no idea why he was in jail the whole time. Seven years. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, so this one talks about a couple of rights. The first one is a right to a speedy trial. Uh, the second one is by an impartial jury. And you have the right to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation. To be confronted with the witness against him. And to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. So basically it guarantees people uh, accused of a crime, a fair and accurate criminal proceeding. That is the right to a speedy public trial by jury uh, in the area that the crime was committed in. Um, The right to confront and question witnesses against them or people that have accused them the right to subpoena or require people uh, to uh, have then come and testify, and then the right to a lawyer. Um, mm-hmm. I thought this, that was really interesting because what really qualifies as a quote-unquote speedy trial? Um, in, in, in 1791, maybe it was a couple months, right? But in today's court system, there are guys that are in prison for – years until Mm -hmm. they have a a chance to get in and actually have a trial. Now, I think 
they are given the kind of the reasons why they were um, arrested. They were They're arrested in the first place, uh, but the actual time to get to 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 trial in, in many cases is is years. Um, well, I wouldn't say so. years. I mean, I think there's probably a general timeline, but years before you can get a trial. I think that's excessive. I think there's some people I think there well I, I know for a fact I don't think it happens a lot, but I know there's some people that have been in like county jail for you know waiting to to have a, a, a waiting for sentencing for a year. Wow. Um it's crazy. And you know, I don't know the reason behind that. I, I think maybe in some areas that there's a backlog and or maybe it's somebody they just don't want to deal with, so they just kind of push it, push it, push or maybe, it, push it. But you can get out on bond. Maybe their bond is just too high. They can't pay their bond. Yeah. So, well, we're going to talk about that in the Eighth Amendment. Oh, nice. Well, in the Seventh Amendment, uh, this is about, it says, in suits at common law where the value is controversy, in controversy shall exceed $20, the right of the trial by jury shall be pres- preserved. And no fact tied, tried by a jury shall be otherwise reexamined in the, any court of the United States than according to the rules of common law. So this one is really about non-criminal law. So the government is basically not a party in uh, these cases. So it's not like the state of Minnesota versus so-and-so. It's um, literally Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard, you know. In a criminal, this is exactly one of the cases. We talked about how in Hatfields and McCoys, how they would sue each other all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, they were in a court over whose pig it was that, uh, you know, one of the brother, one of the stole a pig, was, yeah. Someone stole a pig and they went to court over this and they, they would sue all the time over these things. Uh, and, you know, the they would have that right to a jury now at the time it was set for twenty dollars that um, that amount has not been amended uh inflation with inflation that would be about five hundred and seventy nine dollars in twenty twenty uh, twenty probably twenty twenty dollars in twenty twenty two dollars is probably a thousand dollars because of the inflation that we've just had uh but the price is i mean it's just, it's just essentially it's like if there's anything material I mean, I would even say 20 bucks is really immaterial, but you have that right. Uh, I think there's a small claims court you can go to for a lot of the smaller stuff, but then, you know, the bigger stuff, like if you're suing someone for $50 million, like Johnny Depp was, and then Amber Heard countersued him for $100 million because they said, well, it's just double that. That's how much damages she had. <laughs> Why not? That's what they said. Uh, so that is the right. So it also extends the right to, uh, let's see if I have anything else here in my notes. Uh, it has a lot to do with uh, property rights. So property rights uh, factors in a lot here over property disputes and stuff like that. So, so yeah. Interesting. So the Eighth Amendment uh, prevents the government from imposing cruel and unusual punishments on criminal defendants. So uh, this is a very short one. It says excessive bail shall not be, shall not be required nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. And that's all the amendment says. Um, So it's interesting, really just prevents them from imposing too high of a bail and saying, or, 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 or denying bail in some cases. Now I think there are certain instances where uh, they do give the judge some Liberty. And I know that in some cases they, they can deny bail. Um, but this is a uh, so the bail or inflicting cruel or unusual punishments on criminals, and this is where there are a lot of people that argue that the death penalty actually violates the Eighth Amendment because mm. they consider that to be a cruel and unusual punishment. Um, and so that's why there, there's been lots of confusion and arguments around the death penalty. And does it fall under that that our you know umbrella of cruel and unusual punishment? And what about talk about uh, waterboarding? Yeah, well, the thing is too is that so um, one of the reasons why um, the United States had was is Guantanamo Bay, Guantanamo Bay, right? It was outside of the United States 
was because potentially the Eighth Amendment did not apply to, um, uh, I guess, facilities that were outside the United States. And it, it had some kind of weird regulation how it, it just didn't qualify for this. So there was uh, lots of stuff and cruel and unusual, unusual punishments that went on there um, that kind of skirted around this. But yeah, you know, waterboarding kind of is one of those I think, that... I think is, the, CIA, the CIA deemed it not uh, cruel and unusual or they decided it wasn't or, or maybe the courts did. I can't remember exactly... And so that's why they were allowed to use it. And then later it was banned. So that was one of those hotly debated uh, punishments because technically you're like, well, the person, it's not it's not that cruel. They're just drowning or, or at least the illusion of drowning. It's kind of unusual, but, <laughs> you know, it's just like. Definitely cruel potentially, but I think, it, yeah. I think, I think too, it depends on, and maybe this is just my opinion and, and I haven't given much thought to this, but. I think it depends on the, the, the reason, right? If you're just trying, if, if someone's just in prison, you're just trying to, are you trying to co- coerce a, a, a confession out of somebody or are you trying to get information on somebody, uh, some terrorist cell that's going to bomb a, 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 you know, an airport or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, are those two situations the same? Somebody in prison or, you know, just who, who's on a, like a drug offense who is acting up and they'd waterboard him versus like a terrorist who has intel and specific information as to things that are going to happen. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question, but. It's a, it's definitely a blurry line. Yeah. So let's see. what What's next? Uh, Ninth. The Ninth Amendment. So the Ninth Amendment is, uh, it says the enumeration in the const- Constitution the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage other retain others retained by the people. So basically, what it's saying is that the rights that are enumerated here uh, should not be construed that people don't have other rights uh, as well. So it's kind of a vague. Uh, people have referred to it as just an ink blot. Meaning you can read to, into it whatever you want. Uh, there was at the beginning, there was like the feds and the anti-feds, uh, kind of when the Constitution was being put together. The anti-feds wanted to write down what freedom meant and like what freedoms you had. Uh, now the feds, which consisted of Madison and Hamilton, they said we don't need a Bill of Rights. Uh, Hamilton had said that by writing down our liberties, we limit our liberties to what is written. Uh, and I think we've kind of gone down that path in a lot of ways because we just keep adding more and more and more amendments, uh, and it, it's becoming very letter of the law, uh, especially yeah. when you think about the Supreme Court and all these considerations and all this stuff. It's uh, kind of the letter of law versus the spirit of the law a little bit. Yeah, so it's like if I say you can't, or, or I say you can, if I, if I tell my kids you can uh, play inside, and like that's but they're like well what about all the other freedoms that we have like is this the only thing we can do so it's just the only is this the only thing we can do just because just because i said you can play inside doesn't mean you can't play outside yeah just because if i listed with some of your rights doesn't mean i have to list every single right it's like in the scriptures where it says like i can't list all of the ways to commit sin but there are many ways you know yeah (laughs) just because i haven't listed doesn't mean it doesn't mean it's not a sin um, so interesting here is that, uh, in like response to that, uh, in response to that, uh, argument by Madison Hamilton, they did the ninth amendment saying that even if it's not written down, there are still other rights retained by the people. So the idea, some of the modern interpretations of this is that like, for example, gay marriage, people would say, well, because the people believe that this is a right then therefore it is under the Ninth Amendment, even though it's not enumerated under the Constitution. Uh, the, the Ninth Amendment can be seen, like I said earlier, as an ink blot. You can read it to whatever you want. Another uh, way that people read it is that the it's the another thing that can be f- categorized under the Ninth Amendment is the right to privacy, uh, is is one thing that is not specifically enumerated. I mean, you could say that having your property 
you know, safe from searches and seizures is, is part of that, but specifically privacy, especially in the modern age, you could yeah. lump that under the Ninth Amendment, you know, with digital privacy and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, that's the Ninth Amendment. Interesting. Um, so the Tenth Amendment, this is the last one that was incorporated into the original uh, Bill of Rights, right? The first, the first 10. Um, and this one keeps the federal government limited. Um, this was a short one as, as well. It says the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. So what that means is that any powers that are not specifically assigned to the federal government are basically the responsibility of each state. Mm-hmm. Um and so this this amendment protects against the possibility of a national government assuming all powers and saying, mm-hmm. um, you know, oh, everyone can do this or can't do that and just kind of getting a, a national power. Um, and yeah. I think we, we see this sometimes with, um, uh, let's say, marijuana, right? There were some states that marijuana was legal. And there was other states where it wasn't legal and there was different punishments and it was kind of left up to the states to make that determination. Now, I, I think recently, have they, did they have a, some kind of federal ruling um, in, uh, in, in marijuana usage? Maybe they didn't. I um, think I know so. It's been, I know it's been talked about, but that's just an example of where the government or the, the national government hasn't particularly had a, uh, uh, in a, assigned power or law at that point. So um, they've allowed the states or the people of those states to make the decision. And, and so that one kind of limits that, that national government power, which I think is important. Um, you know, cause mm-hmm. if you have just uh, one massive group of, of, of one small group of people that are making decisions for the massive United States, I think it, it gets a little bit dangerous. I think that's one thing that makes the United States so great is the diversity of people that exist and that live in the United States. And with that, you're going to get many differing opinions. And you can see that, you know, Oregon is, or Washington has a little bit different political stance than maybe. Georgia or Texas, right? And if you stand more with one or the other, then you can go live there. Um, And you can align yourself with a state that maybe has uh, more aligned with your specific views. So that is the the 10th Amendment. Yeah, so that is the conclusion of the original... Ten amendments uh, that were in that were from uh, 1791, which is when the original Bill of Rights came out. And so uh, now we're going to do the first couple, first uh, three, into the new ones that have come out since. So the first one is uh, is the eleventh. The next one is the eleventh amendment. This one came out in 1795. This one is. Well, I'll just read it first. It says, the, ju- the judicial power of the United States shall not be construed to extend to any suit in law or equity, commenced or prosecuted against one of the s- United States by its citizens of another state, or by citizens of subject of any foreign state. So, it's kind of confusing, uh, but really, what, it, what I think it, what it boils down to, based off of what I've researched, is that early on, uh, you know, if someone had a grievance against the state, uh, they would, they could just sue that st- state. Uh, but the state had something that was kind of, ref- that was people knew from England. It was almost like a sovereign immunity. Uh, but this notion of a sovereign immunity in general was not unfamiliar to Americans. And so there was a guy early on, uh, Robert Farquhar, uh, who sued the state of Georgia for money due to him. But the state, refused to show up to the thing. And so it claimed that it had sovereign immunity uh, and, and it could not be sued unless it is 
explicitly agreed to be sued. <laughs> you can't sue me unless I agree to be sued. And so it was uh, what this was the Supreme Court uh, in this case uh, rejected the idea of sovereign immunity and extended the individual states, extended to the individual states. Instead, it ruled that Article 3 of the Constitution, the provision of the Constitution establishing the federal courts, essentially acted as a blanket waiver of the state's sovereign immunity. So basically uh, ratifying the Constitution that the states had actually given up whatever immunity they had previously enjoyed. So they no longer had that sovereign immunity, so they could be sued uh, for grievances. So that's what that one's about. Interesting. So the the 12th Amendment talks about, uh, really, it changed the presidential election process. Now, this one's a little bit longer, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, but it, it gets into the to basically updates as to how the president and the vice president are elected. So this amendment was ratified in 1804, and it it changed the election process laid out in Article 2, Section 1 of the Constitution. And so this is a, a real true amendment because they're making a specific change. Um, and it fixed several problems that came up because of a couple different developments in the political atmosphere of the United States, one of the, which was political parties and also the effect that the uh, – the electoral college had on on the election, and so uh, reading just a, a little bit uh, to sum up the amendment itself. So first off, it says that each state will uh, vote for the president and or vice president independently, and that they will take those votes and they will count them, and then the winner of those will be. Um, uh, basically, it, it says it will be sealed and transmitted, sealed and sent to the government, and so they'll send it to the president of the Senate. Which you got to think in the the uh, early 1800s. I mean, they didn't have like all the technology that we have today, so it had to travel. You know, it was sealed probably with a wax seal um, and sent off to the president of the Senate, uh, who will present it in the Senate and the House of Representatives. Um, and so it says that the person having the greatest number of votes for president shall be president if such number be a majority of the whole number of electoral uh, of electors appointed. So they this is where they kind of bring in that electoral college, right? That's dependent on the population of the of the state that the uh, candidate or that the person came from uh, or where the votes came from that if, you know, the, the larger states are obviously had more electoral votes than not. And so um, a, a president would have to win the majority of the electoral or the electors appointed to become president. Mm -hmm. um, and then it says the basically the same thing for the vice president. And this was passed in response to the 1800 election between Thomas Jefferson and Aaron Burr because it ended in a tie. And so they introduced some changes to, to the process, including the electoral votes, so that uh, a tie would not be possible. Uh, so that was kind of an interesting one. Aaron Burr is the one that killed Hamilton. In a duel. Yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah, so the next one here is the the uh, 13th Amendment, which is a big one. Uh, the 13th Amendment is when it has to do with the abolition of slavery. This is in 1865. So just to bring you a couple years earlier, in 1863, President Lincoln issues the Emancipation Proclamation declaring all persons held as slaves within any state or designated part of a state, the people whereof shall then be in rebellion against the United States, shall be then, thenceforth and forever free. 
So that was a quote from the Emancipation Proclamation, which he made uh, in a way freeing all those slaves, although many of them did not even know about this until later, um, which is when uh, we... They celebrate the Juneteenth holiday, which has to, to do with uh, when they were f- many slaves were finally, well, in a certain area, certain slaves were made aware that they were actually given, granted their freedom. Uh, but this uh, amendment to the Constitution was in 1865, so it was about uh, two years later, uh, where it says, Neither slavery nor involuntary, involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. So pretty straightforward. Unless you're a criminal, a convicted criminal, involuntary servitude uh, and slavery is not acceptable. And uh, I think that that is uh, excellent. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the landmark. Uh, this one in the fifteen. There's there's some. You know, some of these ones, you're like, what is that even, like, the 11th Amendment? You're like, what is that even about, you know? Yeah. Uh, but this is definitely one that's a, a major deal in the, in our history as a, as a country. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And with that one, that puts us about halfway, right? Yeah. So we are going to do part two, where we go through 14 through the end. So uh, this is the end of this section. Hope you guys have enjoyed this. Uh, we've shared a lot of good stories. Uh, hopefully you've, you've enjoyed this crash course on the, the bill of rights and just, uh, just, just let the podcast play. Just go ahead and play the next one. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, uh, thanks for listening and let's join us in the next one. All right, guys, let's build that creed together. Let's do it.